0: Hi, friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of The Scoop. I'm your host, Sam Miller. I'm going to go ahead and apologize for a few things. Um, There is someone outside mowing their grass, and I assume that that will not cease throughout the duration of this episode, since it's nice weather outside, but there's that. And then I also want to apologize for being gone for a few weeks between school and everything else. The pod just kind of got left behind, but I'm glad to be back, and I'm excited to bring you today's episode. So we are continuing in the People You Should Know series. And this week's subject is someone that I can't lie, I didn't know who they were until I started to research some different people. And I think that's kind of the point of this series, to bring attention to those in entertainment and pop culture, who haven't gotten the credit that they think that they Today we're gonna to be talking about actress Merle Overin, which I hope I'm saying her last name right. And her story is a very interesting one. So Per mostly usual, I am going to give you a quick content warning as some of the topics discussed are not suitable for all audiences, so if you think that you might fall into that category, you've been warned. We've got a plethora of other episodes you can listen to, including several in the People You Should Know series, so if you're interested to learn more about Merle, stick around, go grab a quick snack, do what you gotta do, and we'll be right back after this short break. So let's first meet Estelle Merle O'Brien Thompson, who was born February 19, 1911 in Bombay, British India, and in case you aren't familiar, from 1858 to 1947, the British ruled over the Indian subcontinent, comprised of about seven countries, including India and Pakistan, and this is something that is better known as the British Raj. Merle was given the nickname Queenie as a child, and something that we will learn throughout this episode is that she spent a good portion of her adult life keeping information about her childhood and her family a secret. And for a while, she claimed that she was born in Tasmania, Australia. If it ever came up, she would just tell people that her birth records were lost in a fire. So we'll come back to this here in a little bit. Merle's family story is one that's incredibly sad and confusing. And, basically, she was raised as her father being Arthur Terence O'Brien Thompson and her mother as Charlotte Selby. Her father was a British mechanical engineer who was working along Indian railways, and her mother was Sri Lankan with Maori ancestry. And when Charlotte was 14, she was raped by a teeth plantation worker resulting in the birth of Constance, who was raised as the estranged half-sister of Merle. It's also believed that Charlotte is actually her grandmother and Constance was her birth mother. Regardless, it's a very difficult situation and there's a lot more to this confusing family history. And if I got into all of it, we would be here all day and we wouldn't get into anything else. But if you're interested, there's a lot more out there, including a 2002 documentary called The Trouble with Merle. I have not seen it, but it is out there. Moving on, when Merle was three, her father joined a fight in the British army, and just a little into his term, he contracted pneumonia and died. For three years, Merle and her mother struggled to find a stable place to live, but in 1917, they found a place in Calcutta where Merle received a scholarship to attend La Martiniere. I probably butchered that, I'm very sorry. An all-girls school and was, at the time, one of the best private schools in Calcutta. When she attended the school, she was constantly bullied for being mixed and eventually quit in-person school and decided to receive homeschooling. From the time she was about 6 until about 17, not much is known about her childhood because, again, Merle worked pretty hard to keep her early life private. At 17 years old, she made it to England where she got a job at a club as a hostess using the name Queenie O'Brien. She then met Ben Finney, with whom she was in a relationship, but once he discovered she wasn't white, he immediately ditched her. So the story goes that one night he was watching her leave a taxi and walk into her home and Merle didn't want Ben to see Charlotte because then it would become apparent that Merle herself was not 100% white like she had told him. So the lights were turned off when she came up to the door and he came up to the door after her to make sure that she got in okay and he saw Charlotte. However, Ben formerly worked as an actor and was like, hey, it's a consolation for me, you know, not wanting to date you because you know, racism, I'll make you a deal. And from here he introduced her to Rex Ingram who was working at Victorian studios in France, and Ingram was intrigued by Merle's unique look and casted her in her first role as an extra in the film, The Three Passions, in 1928. I have not seen this movie but it does have fairly decent reviews, so I guess go check it out and see if you can spot her. Between then and 1933, Merle had roles in several films that went uncredited, including in The W Plan, Alf's Button, A Warm Corner, and Service for Ladies. I've never heard of any of these movies, but I'm sure you, if you wanna watch them, you can find clips on YouTube. But in 1929, Merle and Charlotte moved to France where her career would have the ability to take off. From there, Merle was given another chance to boost her career when director Alexander Corda took an interest in her and gave her the role of Anne Boylan in The Private Life of Henry VIII in 1933. This was huge for her because it allowed her a boost to take on more leading roles, including in Scarlet Pimpernel, I hope I said that correctly, I'm sorry, in 1934 alongside Leslie Howard. And Merle was in a relationship with both Howard and Corda at some point, but she married Corda in 1939. And we'll come back to Corda. but following her role in Scarlet Pimpernel, Hollywood began to have an interest in her, and there were a handful of American executives in the major studios who liked what they saw in the UK and invited her to come to the States. In a 1935 interview, Merle stated, They're trying to make me the first glamour girl of England. I don't look like any of the other movie stars over there. I personally think that California is the proper setting for the Wonder Woman of the screen, Any glamour girl would wilt away beneath the stern reality of a typical London fog. In 1935, she starred in The Dark Angel and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress in her role in this movie. Merle was the first Asian to be nominated for an Academy Award in any category, even though she didn't win, with Betty Davis taking it. This was incredibly beneficial to the trajectory of her film career. It's said that Corda was willing to share Merle with Sam Goldwyn to help give her a boost in her career. And I mentioned this in I think the episode about Judy Garland, maybe a different episode, but if you're not super familiar with the way that old Hollywood used to work, basically Hollywood studios would have an actor sign a contract to them, for example, MGM, and they'd only be able to do work with that studio. And they had to do whatever the studio made them do. Even if the script was like the worst thing that has ever been written, they still had to do it because they were under contract. And there's even stories of studios purposely tanking an actor's career by forcing them to do these terrible, just like <laughs> like bottom of the barrel, low budget, horrible writing films that they knew would do bad. And thanks to unions like SAG-AFTRA, this isn't really a thing anymore but it's something to keep in mind. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in just a sec. And we're back. So where things take a turn for Merle was in 1937 where she was involved in a pretty bad car accident which resulted in her having facial damage, including large scarring. In today's Hollywood, appearance matters a lot, but in the early days of Hollywood, appearance was everything. So much so that studios would force their actors and actresses to go through extreme measures to maintain a certain image, including plastic surgery, starvation, drugs, you name it. And the makeup artists on set were convinced that they could hide these scars on her face, and would use just ungodly amounts of makeup to try to cover the scarring. Plot twist didn't work and actually made things worse. She suffered an extreme allergic reaction as a result of cosmetic poisoning twice because they had to preserve this image of beauty for Merle. In Princess Merle, a biography by Charles Hingham, Corda paid for Merle to go to a skin specialist in New York City to undergo dermabrasion procedures, but they were only sort of successful. One thing I never knew until researching her is that there's a particular lighting technique named after her, the Obi light. This is created by cinematographer Lucian Ballard, and it's a small light that hits the subject directly. And the point of it is just to wash out the subject so badly that you couldn't possibly see any imperfections. With (laughs) With black and white cinematography, sure. Modern day cinematography, probably not the best shot. Around this time, she was also set to star in I, Claudius, another Corda project, but the film was abandoned following her accident. In the same year, her mother, who was actually her grandmother, Charlotte, died. And in the later part of Charlotte's life, it seems, at least from what I can tell and what we know, And you know how it goes around here, I'm not claiming to know everything or even anything, but it seems like they had a pretty unusual relationship once Merle started to gain some fame. Allegedly when asked about Charlotte, Merle would write her off as a maid or just someone who worked in the home, and in 1949 she got a painting commission for Charlotte, but with much, much lighter skin. I won't comment too much on this, but I do think it's interesting to know. In 1939, Merle went on to star in her biggest role to date in Wuthering Heights, alongside Lawrence Oliver. Apparently, tensions on set were pretty high between crew members and executives, and it's also said on the set that Merle would not allow anyone to film her until she had on what she deemed to be enough makeup. And while some thought, oh, well, she's just trying to cover her scarring, it was really so that she could try to appear lighter. According to Marie Dolovsky, the director of The Trouble with Merle, there were a lot of factors working against her, adding, in the movies at that time, a woman of mixed race was not acceptable. The racism of the period made it very explicit. Merle's Anglo-Indian background was a major obstacle to her becoming a star. And another thing to keep in mind is that there were other actors in Hollywood at the time doing the same thing as Merle. But also like Merle, their true identity didn't come into the light until much later into their life as promised let's come back to her marriage with corda which did not last too long like i said they married in 1939 and while they were married merle had two affairs allegedly one with richard hillary who was a fighter pilot and the other which i thought was interesting was allegedly with john wayne yes that john wayne Merle became known as Lady Corda after Corda was knighted by King George VI in 1942 for his contribution to the war effort. I cannot find specifically which war effort this is in reference to because there was a lot going on around then. So if anyone knows for sure, let me know. But following her divorce from Corda in 1945, she married Lucian Ballard, the one I talked about earlier with the light, and their marriage was short as well ending in 1949. Her third marriage was to Bruno Pagliai in 1957, and the two adopted two children. In 1973, Merle divorced him, following meeting Robert Wolders, a Dutch actor, and the two were married in 1975. By 1973, Merle starred in her final film, Interval, and decided to retire. At this point, she had moved to Mexico. So in 1978, things get kind of interesting for Merle. The truth about her childhood and familial ancestry came into the spotlight following the research of Hingham and Roy Mosley, who were working on Princess Merle. While the full story didn't release until 1983, bits about Merle not actually being from Australia, Tasmania in particular, were revealed. Hingham in particular felt a bit suspicious about the story that had been told all along, dug more into it, and revealed her true identity. There's a part of me, and I don't know how I- I don't know. I feel like this investigative quest feels a little bit like an invasion of privacy, to me at least, but yeah. Do what you want with that. In 1978, Merle had been asked to visit Hobart, Tasmania, for a Lord Mayoral reception where she was supposed to go to visit a theater that had been named in her honor. Just shortly before the reception the Lord Mayor became aware that Merle had no proof of being born in Tasmania and actually had only ever visited Australia twice. But to avoid a scandal she went to the reception anyway and claimed to be ill to get out of any of the questions that she was likely going to be swarmed with. She left and headed back to Mexico where she had been living for a little while. She then moved back to California, living with wolders in Malibu. In 1979, she suffered from a stroke, and on November twenty third, 1979, she passed away from complications of the stroke. Merle is currently buried at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Glendale, California, and her gravesite, like many others in this series, is pretty abysmal. She has a flat grave marker, which is in a corner plot of the cemetery, where it's not very easy to find her unless you're really, really, really looking for her. I really wish more could have been done for her. The story of Merle Oberon is a testament to the extreme racism that infiltrated Western culture, including in Hollywood, in the first half of the 20th century. It's a shame that Merle had to lie and spend her whole life concealing her ancestry so that she could have and keep a career in entertainment. There are many who make a case as well that Merle didn't even know her own history. I told you before about all the complicated inner workings of her childhood, and so I mean it—it it is a possibility. Again, I don't want to perpetuate theories as fact. I'm just putting it out there, but yeah, it's. It's a really sad and interesting story that I really wanted to share. If today's episode was interesting to you, make sure that you're following us on whatever platform you're listening to this on so that you can be notified whenever we post. Additionally, go follow us at the WCM on all socials so that you can be in the loop on any changes or updates with the show. We did a highlight series for both Black History Month and Women's History Month on our pages, so go check those out as well. We have merch, including a new design for spring. That design might be limited edition. I'm not not 100% sure what I want to do with it yet, but make sure you go check it out. It's another way to support the show beyond listenership. And yeah, that's all I have for you today. See you same time, same place next time for a brand new episode of The Scoop. Talk to you later.